I was like, because if I miss so much already, what am I going to miss next year? So then I said, well, maybe I'll just go ahead and record the actual year 2020 as well. And boy, thank God I did. I've been out here trying to finish what I started. to um, the Press Clay with Coach K podcast. I'm excited to be back with you guys. This time, as you can see, not just hearing my voice, but actually seeing my face, which is new for me. And for those folks who know know me, know me, y'all know how much I hate having my picture taken. And Lord knows I despise being on video, but I said I was going to step out and do something different going into the new year. So I'm happy to um, invite my my gracious guest to my show today. I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. It's it Salvant. Yes, that's okay. perfect. El Michelle Salvant. So you are the founder and CEO of El Michelle Media Company. Did yes. I get that right? Okay. And it. let's talk a little bit about who you serve, what you do, um, and and the the gorgeous content that you help other folks create. Oh, well, first of all, thank you, Coach K. I'm so glad to be here on Press Play. This is like amazing. I'm so happy for everything you're doing. And um, you're just being so supportive, having a, a, a just real supportive vibe. And so um, I'm very thankful for that. Well, I'm L with L Michelle Media, and uh, we've been around since 2008. We're definitely uh, a company that is and has always been a God idea uh, company. So everything that um, you see us producing, it really just came out of what we believe. The whole motto is live what you believe. And so um, I have a background in broadcast journalism. I was a news reporter for Anchor for like a decade before, you know, my, my life just really changed. God just kind of really came into my life and I discovered purpose before I knew profession, you know, that's what you pursue, you pursue your career, what's going to be. And then when um, I really started getting closer to God, I grew up, uh, you know, going to church and things like that. But when I, I would say when I started actively uh, living by faith, things began to evolve, really. And so um a part of that evolution was becoming the CEO of my own media company, which I never thought of that as a dream. My dream was to be on CNN and be a reporter, a foreign correspondent, actually. So I love like foreign news. I love news of different cultures and how people live in different cultures. So anyway, um, that was the dream and God really expanded it uh, early 2000s to have El Michelle Media. And since then, uh, we've always been into uh, innovative tools, emerging media, and so it started with websites and then moved on to social media and now has moved on to what many know now as the metaverse. And so we're doing a lot of work um, in that space and have been for several years, but I'm just thankful to God. It's really just like I'm riding a God train and there's all these different stops and I'm just happy to be on board and learn what I learned along the way and meet really good, cool people along the way. So, yeah. I love, I love that so much. So let me ask you, transitioning from working in, in journalism 
And wherever this idea came from that, you know, to birth your own media company, what was that transition like? Like how many folks, you know, your your career is like on a trajectory and maybe you have had um, a vision for how you want your career to be mapped out. And then to the outsider who's trying to maybe get insight into what your brain is, is doing when you pivot like that and you say, you know what, I'm gonna do something in the same lane, but in a different direction. What was that experience like? Well, you know, uh, like I said, I'd say right around 2000 and, uh, hmm, was that 2003, I started writing a column that was in the uh, African American newspapers called Stories of Faith. So my heart was uh, changing in a way that I wanted to Uh, start to do stories that were more like people's testimonials and how they live uh, in everyday life. And so the more I started doing those stories, the more my heart began to change. And really, the more the path of purpose started to open up. So really, for me, it was like taking one step out after the other. This was nothing that I could orchestrate. So it was just something that began to evolve daily. I started writing the column and then I wrote the column on uh, a woman who would later become um, my adult best friend. We've worked together now 18 years in ministry. And then from walking along that path in ministry to saying to her, hey, y'all wanna do a church radio show? Like, well, if you're gonna do it, you should do it like this. And then I really started working more in the church. And so I thought uh, at that time, you know, when you really get a taste of the faith life, everything is very extreme. So I'm like, I'll never do news again. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, it's just, oh God, God wants us to focus on this. It was just kind of like very cut and dry. But the more I began to walk, the more I began to experience the love of God and just the freedom that really God brings to the table more than he does all the laws and things that people think, uh, you know, see them in that type of light. And then I guess it was like 2005, I got a vision that, hey, I'm being like Jesus Christ publicist. And I remember asking my mom, did I hear that somewhere? Do you think? You know? And she was like, no, because no one's going to say that because Jesus is real. I was like, oh, okay. Whenever, that must be what it is. That must just be for me. And so it was this whole mindset that I wanted to shed light on what was happening in the body of Christ from a lifestyle perspective. And so I was just in that capacity. And then along comes, you know, opportunities for people to do interviews about their faith and do these interviews more so in mainstream. So it's kind of like, you know, oh, you could have a company and you could be helping people with websites and media and all of that. So it was just really a part of this whole faith walk and how things just really begin to open up. It's kind of like the power of a seed and what a seed can produce. It can produce a tree and then a tree of forest and then a forest and, you know, so it's kind of been like that every step of the way. I I love that so much. Um, I work in the donation and transplant field. And one of the things that we we love to do as a part of our work is we tell stories a lot. 
And right. I love meeting people who are, are storytellers because in my opinion, there isn't any marketing campaign that's as powerful as the human connection, you know? Right. And, and when, when folks tell their story, what you find in those pieces is that there's always someone out there on the other side who's viewing who can relate. And so every story may not be for everybody, but everybody has a story that will resonate with them. So let me ask you this, what have you found to be the, the most like powerful thing about the way that you're able to help people talk about their walk and share their faith? I think the most powerful are the stories themselves, because I think um, a lot of times it, we know these things or someone close to you may know your testimony, but you don't really know the power i know very early on uh revelation 12 11 became my life first and it was uh that's one of two life verses i had and it's we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of it, our testimony that was very early on in 2003 when i was doing stories of faith like our testimonies are a tool to overcome and i think a lot of times that's where the real power is it's knowing that you're your testimony is not just a story or, or, you know, it's a really, it's kind of like a stance. It's you, it's your tool to overcome. So I think that's what's been, you know, to me, the most miraculous and the most powerful and just hearing these modern day stories. A lot of times um, being Jesus Christ publicist and all, I realized that he can be confined to a book at times and things that happened back then. But I am most intrigued by Jesus Christ in real life. What I like to call IRL, like you know how you have URL, where you got Jesus Christ in IRL in real life and doing things all the time. And so it's just amazing to um, really just see these stories kind of come about. And then on the flip side with the work we're doing now, to see how these testimonies can bring about uh, your own personal healing for you. So it could be that you got healed in the situation, but then how does the situation heal you? And so that's the, the work that we're doing now, which I think is very, very, um, which I, as a living witness, know is very, very powerful. I love that so much. Um, so one of the things about this, my show in particular, and the, where the whole press play concept came from, is that there's something about people, a certain type of person, who is able to take an idea from their mind and make it a reality. And so what can you share about sort of the nuts and bolts of taking a leap to you know, exit one phase of your career, you know, when did you know it was real? Like that, that first project, that first client, what was that process like? Well, I think I knew it was real when I um, actually, uh, I, I was actually laid off from my job in news. And I had been laid off several times because back in the early 2000s, there were a lot of uh, startups and we were a startup using, uh, fiber optics to transmit news all over the state of Florida. So it was just, you know, a lot of times you, you start with a vision like this and then you streamline and you just, you know, things like that. So I was used to layoffs, but um, 
there was something about this last layoff, which was in early, it was like January 2004, where it came at the end of the night, I'll never forget, just an hour before I was scheduled to do a welcome for a women's conference at -hmm. the church where my best friend and her uh, husband were pastoring. And uh, I didn't know she would become my best friend or that we would work 18 years plus in ministry now. But it was just kind of the beginning of a journey. And I remember saying that night when I was leaving the news station, like they said, where, well, what are you going to do now? And I said, well, I guess I'm going to go work for Jesus because in my mind, I'm about to go do a welcome. But prophetically speaking, that is essentially what I was going to go and do. So what I would tell someone who's um, maybe at a crossroad, it does take the first step. But it also takes knowing that the first step is the first of many. Mm. It's the first of many first steps. So that same uh, uh, not knowing what's going to happen and the excitement that comes along with it and the fear that tries to show up with it and the questions that come up with it and uh, just all of that. It, it shows up, it can be a reoccurring theme along a faith walk, but at the very end, I can tell you, just like MLK said, if you'll put your foot out there, the step will form. And so it's just kind of like taking on the mindset that when you know in your heart of hearts that this is the path, this is what you're being unctioned to do, like this is it then everything else, I I once heard a lady say the universe itself will get behind you. And you know, we know that to be God and Jesus. But when you when you really, really get a mindset that it starts with one step, but that that one step is the first of many, then you'll be okay. Because I don't think I ever get to a point where I know what's going to happen. And when I do get to the point that I know everything, then I'm pretty sure in my mind that God is about to make a shift for my faith to go up a little bit higher. Because when you get to the point where you can max out everything, then why do you need any help? Right, right. Anything that's higher than you, you got it. But it's that faith that kind of fuels me and has led to this amazing life of adventure and results and favor and blessings. And the one thing about living the faith life is uh, as much as you don't know how things may turn out is as much as you don't know the blessings too that will come your way. Like uh, I have the family that I've always prayed to have. Uh, I'm, I'm doing some of the things that I've always prayed to do, but I didn't know how to obtain them. I had a mind of how I thought to obtain them, but I wasn't producing those results. But, you know, the word is clear about that too. Uh, If you acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, uh, he'll direct your path. We know this, but he he also says, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. That is a fact. uh, That that itself is like taking a risk, you know, because you're like, yeah, but what if God doesn't? Yeah, but what if he does? And I'm I've I've lived a life where he has. So. That's that is that's 
I can't even add anything on top of that because I, I feel like that's often the biggest challenge, you know, for, for mm-hmm. folks who want to step out on their own and do something. There's always that what if in the back of your mind and more often than not, the what if points to failure, but yeah. it, 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 it's rare that it's what if you exceed and not only exceed, but what if you exceed beyond your wildest dreams, right? That's right. So can you, can you tell me a little bit about what was the feeling of the first time that you knew that you were working on something for someone and there was going to be an exchange of money <laughs> for goods or services? What, what feeling did you have? Because I've, I've heard some folks talk about, you know, experiencing, um, that's when sort of that doubt might kick in when you're, you know, wondering if what you're going to produce will be to their satisfaction or good enough. What were your emotions like during the time when you, you took on that first client? Now, if I had to sum it up, if, if that moment was a word, the word would be really, (laughs) you're going to pay me to do this. Like, I think in my mind, when things come second nature to you, like for me, I'm thinking everyone already knows this. And, you know, that's a blessing and a challenge. So in my mind, I mean, it keeps you very humble, but then the challenge could be you might not uh, really command the price you could because in your mind, you're like, oh, just give me whatever. Like, can't we all do this? Well, no, we can't because we all don't have the same DNA. And I had to get to that point. So for me, I was pleasantly surprised when they wanted to pay. And then just started telling others based on whatever that person paid. Well, yeah. Um, so let's say if, uh, you know, Keisha paid $50, then the next person, I was like, yeah, this is $50. You know, not really even trying to scale things or look at things in that way. And, uh, you know, another thing, my background wasn't business, you know, it was journalism. So I wasn't, you know, it took a lot of coaching, really. Uh, for me to get to a point where I could solidly be like, wow, okay, this is a business that I have to run. And then I would also say years later, which it was maybe like eight to nine years later, uh, I got my first big contract that was in the multiple thousands of dollars. And it was a contract. And these are positive confessions I'm making that, you know, I'm going to be a you know, money magnet, maybe a distribution center. I'm going to have contracts and favor and lands, you know, but as it started to come in, it really uh, it started to become very real at that point. But my initial thought was really like, y'all are going to pay me for it. Like, you don't have to do that. But eventually um, you start then wanting to be a good steward over what God has given you. So you get the coaches, mentors, you know, the spiritual guidance. You start wanting it to make it the best that you possibly can within what you know at the time. But I was just really kind of shocked. Wow. And it's interesting because that's not the answer that I think a lot of people would be expecting. And and I think one interesting thing that kind of happens in the creative space and in the services space if you if you purchase something wholesale and you know what you need to do to make a profit like that's math right kind of straightforward in some ways but to 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 take a skill that you have or an idea that you have or creativity that you have and try to figure out 
not just in general, how do I monetize this, but specifically, how do I determine what my knowledge, my skills, my time are worth? Uh That's a completely different conversation. And what I find when I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs in your space where you're a creator or you're providing a service is how do you, it's that, you know, sort of question of how do you determine how to charge somebody for what you're giving them, for what you're providing them. And to hear someone say, I didn't have it all figured out in the beginning. Matter of fact, I was surprised that people were going to pay me to do this, to go to understanding how it is that you, um, you know, structure your, your, your um, fees for your services. That's a space that a lot of people have a really tough time navigating. Yeah, they do. And, and, you know, the thing about it is too, um, I remember one of my mentors before he passed uh, used the word precedence a lot. Like, is there a precedent set for this? Meaning, are there things in place that you've already done that set a precedence for the price that you're commanding or, you know, the the value that your product has now? And he wasn't speaking to me in those terms because it was a journalism mentor, but those are some of the things that I thought about too, and always think about with pricing. You know, am I establishing something and a way of doing something and uh, learning to do something, or has it been tried and true for a while? And now I'm in another realm of charging for this mm-hmm. because it is about your creativity. It's also about your time, but it's also about kind of realizing where you are yes what you have is really priceless Mm -hmm. but you also know where you are in the development of that and I think when people know you're fair about that when they know you've looked around at everything hey maybe where you are geographically uh, maybe where you are in the development of this project product or project and and things like that and you take all that in account and you offer them a price that's fair, they're more than willing to pay that and then probably pay you more than what you're even asking. That's what I found. Right, right. So the question is when, you know, essentially what's your value proposition? And so when you let someone know this is the value that I bring to what you're trying to do, it it often either speaks for itself or it doesn't. And I think if you can figure out sometimes pretty quickly where there is value and and, and where there isn't. So I'm, I'm glad that you that you shared that. I want to talk about um, the 2020 life film. And yeah. that's how you and I came to one another um, through, I'm guessing, a mutual connection. So um, I was pleased to participate in it. I mean, we could all go on and on about what 2020 was like for, for, for us collectively. But how did that, how did the project, tell us a little bit about the project and then tell me a little bit about how it came to you. Yeah, so the 2020 uh, life film, I am really into smart glass technology. In fact, my glasses right now, when I press that button, they record uh, life at 10 seconds at a time from my uh, perspective. And so um, I guess back in 20, into 2013 to 2014, I was using Google Glass and created what I called uh, my first life film which was documentary style. The first uh, part of it was captured with a, uh, a hand 
uh, video device, uh, a video kind of camera that you could hold in the palm of your hand. And the second six months of life, because I recorded a year, was captured through the Google glasses at the time, the smart glasses I had then. Fast forward to 2018, um, I came across some newer, more modern looking uh, line of glasses and affordable uh, that are uh, manufactured by Snapchat. And so I'll never forget buying them on Black Friday, uh, November 2018, and thinking, well, hey, in 2019, I'm turning 40, so maybe I should give it a go again to record that whole year because it's such a, a milestone year. So at the time, I said, okay, this will be my second life film. And so I was thinking of a creative way to uh, title the film. So I thought about becoming 40. So I was like, that's 2020. And then um, as I began to record and look at the footage and began to realize, this is when I'm in 2019 recording my 40th year of life, began to realize that it was more than just a highlight reel, but that I was starting to see things uh, in life that I had missed while in those moments and behaviors uh, that I was exhibiting mm -hmm. while I was recording that I didn't know. So it was kind of like I was experiencing life from my perspective, almost like an out-of-body experience, like it was me having the experience, but I was able to see my behaviors. Mm -hmm. I was able to see the response of people. I was able to see what I didn't see when I was in those moments. And so then the 2020 took on a new meaning and started making me think about vision and really seeing life from a 2020 uh, perspective. So that's how the film itself came about. And the goal was just to record the year 2019, but so much personal inner soul healing had taken place. At the end of 2019, I said, I think I'm going to feel weird just turning these off. I was like, because if I miss so much already, what am I going to miss next year? So then I said, well, maybe I'll just go ahead and record the actual year 2020 as well. And boy, thank God I did. Mm -hmm. And this has now uh, turned into a 10-year uh, project and a new uh, category of, of journaling, which we trademarked called immersive journaling, where you journal through your smart glass lenses uh, to look at life again uh, and see it from a whole new perspective and the healing that it brings. So to date, I've been journaling for three years straight, every day uh, through smart glasses. So it's, it's just an amazing project. And storylines have developed out of the project. There are five main storylines that will follow throughout the decade. And that's um, race, which is where 40-year-old Black woman and the audio journal uh, from a point of view perspective came about. There's childhood trauma and the effects of that, even into adulthood and those things that you might be missing that everybody else picks up on and you don't. Faith, of course, and what that's like to be faith walking on a daily basis. Health, I'm a woman who deals with an autoimmune condition, lupus, Sjogren's, and rheumatoid arthritis. So 
what is that like? If you were to do everything the doctor said and continue to pray, what would life look like? What is it going to look like over the next 10 years? And the final category is leadership and, you know, tech and just how these things are evolving. So that's really where it started. And it's just turned into all of this, really. And we're, and we're, we're still just in the very beginning. So. That's awesome. Now, specifically about the 40-year-old the Black woman project, you crowdsource submissions for that. Yes. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what the response has been like and the, the voices that you've heard and the, the stories that you've heard? Well, yeah, thank you so much. And you're one of those voices. So I'm so excited to say that. Um, I think we're since this is going to now be a part of the 10-year immersive journaling experience, wow, what a repository of voices that we're going to have from Black women in their 40s over this next decade, you know? I think we're in the very early stages of it. It just kind of came out of this project. It wasn't something that I thought out, but it was just something that was kind of birthed out. So um, it essentially is an introductory uh, type of concept that we are um, bringing to the forefront with our volume two, which will be released in February of 2022, which 20, you know, the next year, next February, respectively, whenever y'all hear this. So um, we are excited to introduce this concept to more Black women in their 40s and just anticipating what will be spoken. Um, I think we, throughout the year of this part of the journal, uh, immersive journal being developed, it was kind of like we tried a couple of approaches, like with a pilot group, like where we would just say, well, come up with what you want to talk about, or we want to hear your perspective as a Black mother or Black creative or uh, Black woman this or that. And finally, just to get to the simplified approach of saying every year we'll have a prompt mm -hmm. and any Black woman in their 40s anywhere around the world is welcome to speak to that prompt. I think the power just really dropped on that and it's something that we're going to be excited to really introduce to the world uh, come February 2022. And that's what makes the journal so cool, the immersive journal, because it's like a living journal uh, that lives in augmented reality. Like you kind of scan and you hear these voices or see the film or, you know, the pages kind of come alive. So I am excited to see how the voices come in just to answer that prompt for this volume and, 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 and what will be spoken, like what you spoke. I could have never you know, thought that we would have heard that about collective grief um, and, and that. And so I'm, I'm just excited to introduce it to the world. So you're kind of one of the ones who, who are on the very early, early end of this. Um, but to have a library of this and to know um, for me, uh, the race uh, being in the forefront of, of, of topics for me was not something that I planned. Even though I was a Black woman turning 40, right. I think 
the misconception I had, and remember this is 2019, this is before George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, all of those uh, stories had not happened yet. But I think prior to me putting on the glasses in that 40th year of life that I recorded, I thought my education, my diction, how I could talk, my heart for all humankind made me kind of exempt from maybe some other racial things that many of my brothers and sisters might experience mm -hmm. until I had an experience of my own where I was wearing pink braids because I just like hair and, you know, to do things that are creative. And uh, my son who was, who was taking speech and uh, has a different way that he learns had to be placed in a class with others like that. And I was asking questions, but in that moment, it was just kind of like everybody in here is, you know, like that. So just, he'll be all right. Just, you know, from somebody from another race, just kind of like disregarding, not even knowing who I was in that moment, but a black woman with pink hair. And from there, it just kind of really put me in the mindset that before we know you as anything else, people see a black woman. You are a 40 year old black woman. Before and it's something that you're a mentor, you're right. pet, you're doing right. all this, and you know, like I'm just looking at you, and that's what I see. Right. And the so outside of the package, not everything that's on the no. inside. That you no. know, the the depth and the complexity of who we are as as people. Right. And you know, it's 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 interesting. Again, when you talk about stories, um, and how people's stories and experiences resonate. I'm a runner, um, and I remember when I first read, you know, Ahmaud Arbery's story and with everything that happened. And I think about the number of days I run alone, you know, maybe I have on my headphones, I try to keep it at a volume to where I can still sort of know what's going on around me. But even being black and, and living my own experience and, and knowing our history here in this country and even seeing other stories play out around me, that became so personal to me because I could imagine myself in this, in his shoes. And, and I think about the times I run the routes I always run, but then I think about the times that I create new routes because I want to explore. I moved to Texas two and a half years ago from Florida. And um, there are times that I'm like, you know, I've not run through this neighborhood before. I've not run through that area before. And so I imagine myself in that same exact situation. And it, it, it really it changes your perspective so much when you're able to literally put yourself in that person's shoes. And so one of the things I love about your concept of immersive journaling is, um, number one, the whole part about perspective. Yeah. You know, living in a time when we're all journalists, right? Um, mm -hmm. Everybody has a camera on their phone. Anybody right. can turn it on at any given time and capture the world. Sometimes we see the full picture. Sometimes we just see a snippet. But what I love about your concept, especially as you um, look at it through the lens, pun, pun intended, of you wearing your, your glasses, is that it's a, it's a change in perspective. So mm -hmm. it's one thing to stand behind the camera and, you know, hold it up and create a certain vantage point. But it's another thing to have something captured 
from the perspective of how the wearer is actually seeing it. My and God, girl. That's a totally different experience. Um, so I, I, I love what you're doing with this project because I think once you put all of these voices and all of these stories together, um, it, it, it's almost like, I think about it like a quilt. Um, and it's funny you talk about the, the analogy of vision in 2020. I used to work, I work in tissue banking now. I used to work in eye banking. And one of the things that's common in the donation and transplant community is we give donor families the opportunity to honor their loved ones through a quilt project. So they're able to make a quilt square honoring their loved one. We take all those squares and we make a larger quilt and we take it out into the community to tell the stories of organizing tissue donation. And so when I think about what you're doing, it, it feels like a virtual quilt where you're knitting together all of these stories of various Black women in their 40s and what their experiences are and to imagine what can come forth from a simple prompt for those who journal and you understand, you know, I feel like this today. But when that happened, it made me want to fill in the blank. So um, it makes me really look forward to what your future prompts will be and what stories will come out of it. I am so, thank you. You know, hey, I need that right there. That, that, you just put it perfectly. And that is the goal. And so if this story were to come full circle, I told you how my desire for God started with this column back in 2003, Stories of Faith. And now I can just see 18, almost 19 years later, how that has evolved into what we're doing with immersive journaling now. Isn't that just so amazing? There's no way I could have orchestrated something like this. So this 10-year journal project, I'm just, I'm so amazed to be the steward chosen to overlook this uh, and, and to be the front runner on it. But it's just, it's people like you who just really uh, just bring just all these different perspectives. And the whole thing is there's power in perspective and that's, that's why we're doing it, so. Well, I have a couple quick questions for you. So my first one is, um, what are you reading right now? People often wanna know uh, what is how how folks are feeding their minds and and how it's manifesting in their lives? So what's on your nightstand? So what's on my nightstand right now that I've not opened, but it is on my nightstand, is uh, Amanda Gorman's "What We Carry," mm-hmm. or "Call Us uh, by What We Carry." I need to get the exact. It's on my nightstand, but uh, uh, yeah. So that just came in the mail. Uh, through Amazon about uh, a week ago. And I really want Will Smith's book because I know about speaking to the depths of like what's in you and how that takes so much uh, courage, you know, even to do that. And so those are the two. Will Smith's book is the one I want, but Amanda Gorman's book is the one that is on the nightstand right now. Okay. My second question for you is, if you had a single piece of advice for younger you as you started this journey, what would it be? Wow. The first thing, call us what we carry. Is, is, call us what we carry. Yeah, I, think I, I had it right first. Call us what we carry, Amanda Gorman. But uh, the first thing that came to mind, because I work with teens, uh, teenagers, I'm a life coach. 
and I work in the classroom twice a week, middle school classroom and uh, high school classroom, just life coaching um, students, is to live what you believe, not what someone thinks of you or even sometimes what you think of yourself, but it's that belief. And now that has to be, you know, kind of nurtured in positivity, in optimism. When I grew up, I grew up in a, uh, a home that was a little bit like a war zone. It was abusive, not to me, but to my mother and things like that. But I had a song that carried me and that was Sounds of Blackness, Be Optimistic. Can even I just tell you, Ruth, I hate to cut you off, but I'm not even playing with you because my next question for you was if you're having a bad day, what song immediately makes you feel better? Sound <laughs> of Blackness, Optimistic. I This was their 50th year anniversary. I have the card to prove it. I ordered a shirt from them. I would love to just meet them because when I was little, I sung that song every day and didn't even know what it meant, but it just made me feel good. As long as you keep your head to the sky, be optimistic. You can win, you know? And so, you know, for me, it's living what you believe and be being patient enough to let it manifest. A lot of my young people get encouraged, uh, they, 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 they get inspired, but then they go home and when the situation hasn't changed right away, they cave in and quit. They, they want an exit plan. And some of their exit plans, you know, are just very negative. They're, some of their exit plans are just very detrimental to, to them and their lives even. But if you'll live what you believe and be patient enough for it to manifest, I think that would be my wholehearted advice for them, that they can win. They can win. But my situation, which was complex and stressful and dangerous and not healthy, and all of these things did not change overnight, but it did change, you know? And so that would be my advice. I, I, think, of I think that's oh. such solid advice, especially in, in this day and age. Um, I'm, I'm a woman, clearly in my 40s, to talk about the Black women, you know, 40-year-old. 40, 40 I'll be 45 next month. And so it's interesting, this age group that we're in, because we've got one foot in the analog era, one foot in the digital era. We've kind yeah. of seen it all unfold. And sort of there's so much about social media that's powerful in terms of connection and you know meeting meeting folks I was telling somebody a story the other day about being at the start line of a half marathon in Nashville and hearing somebody call me by name knowing mm -hmm. I didn't know anybody in Nashville but a cousin that I'd had dinner with two nights before and it was a social media friend and it, you know, I've never met wow. this my entire life in person. We were both runners. We connected on that. And there he was at the start line screaming my name. And I was like, this is so crazy. So there's that part of it because we can connect with folks we may otherwise never meet. But right. I think the flip side of that is this desire for instant gratification. Because, you know, yeah. a lot of times you see a photo, you see a reel, you see a snippet. And it's, it's just a, a moment of something that, 
you may not have full context for, you know, how the person got there, what the struggle was to, to overcome or to achieve. And so I, I love your piece about patience to, to see it manifest because, you know, there's, there's work to be done behind the scenes for whatever it is that you're pursuing, whether it's a, a professional endeavor, whether it's that deep, like you mentioned earlier, soul searching inside work of changing you, that's still work, right? right. So I, I love the fact that you, you put on that, the part about patience, because yep. if you stick at anything, well, my mother used to call it uh, having stick tuitiveness. That was her one of her yeah. favorite words that she used to use when I was a kid. Um, and I think that's so powerful just to remind people that if you keep going, you will eventually, you will see the fruit of your labor. And you that, is, that is huge. Yep. So tell folks, where can they find you online? Social handles, website, if we want to connect with you, how can people find you? Well, you can find me at lmichellemedia.co. That is my uh, company website. Also, if you're interested in the immersive journaling and seeing uh, that 10-year project kind of evolve and knowing about the different volumes of the journals or contributing to the audio journal that's now part of it, you can go to 2020lifefilm.com. But I'm everywhere on social media under L. Michelle Media. So. I cannot thank you enough for this time. I, I was so excited and looking forward to speaking with you. And I, I really hope that, I know that someone out there after they listen to this or view this will be blessed by what you said. And I, I, I wish the best for you in the future. I can't wait to see what you're up to. Um, so folks, you guys have been watching and listening to Press Play with Coach K. I am your host, Kimberly Monroe. L, thank you so much for joining us and look forward to seeing what you're up to in the future. Yay. Thank you, Kim. Ooh.